Yesterday morning, this sanctuary was full, full of people from around the city of Atchison, people from other cities who had traveled to be here, and many of you were here as well as we gathered together to celebrate the life and the legacy of Jack Albright. If that name is unfamiliar to any of you, let me tell you about Jack. He was a member of our church for many, many, many years. He was a preacher. He was a chaplain. He was a teacher. He was a newspaper columnist for two and a half decades. And one thing that I learned about Jack is I guess back in the day he hosted a a radio show in Roswell, New Mexico. Jack lived a very full life. Jack was our friend. On days like yesterday, I am reminded of how much of a difference one person truly can make. And that is encouraging for me to remember that what we do, what we're doing right here this very moment, that it's important, that it matters, that it makes a difference. Amen. During these last few weeks, we have been talking about two men in particular whose lives really did make a difference. At this point, we've talked quite a bit about Peter. Last week, we were introduced to somebody new, and that was Saul of Tarsus, also known as the Apostle Paul. And we really just began to get to know him. We talked about his upbringing in the city of Jerusalem, trained and educated by Gamaliel, one of the most important teachers in the Jewish high council. We talked about how intelligent he was, how zealous he became as a, as a Pharisee, and he even was, at the very beginning, persecuting people who were followers of Jesus Christ. And then he has that dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus, and he is filled with passion, filled with the Holy Spirit. And what God is able to accomplish through him in the next few decades is absolutely mind-blowing. We also talked about the way that um, even though Paul had done these horrible, awful things, he did not let shame and guilt hold him back. And that is such a powerful lesson because I believe so many people today struggle with that. Paul just said, God, I take you at your word. If you say you forgive me, if you wash my slate clean and you give me a brand new start, then I'm going to receive that and I'm going to go where you call me to go. And Paul does phenomenal things in what remains in his lifetime. And this morning, we are going to take a little bit closer look at some of those things that God accomplished through Paul. And so this next chapter in our Bible 101 series, we're really just going to cover the letters of Paul. Before we jump into that, and and go ahead and get your handouts ready. Hope you have those, and we're going to be putting it up on the screen as well. Before we take a closer look at this handout, which has some tremendous information, 
Can I run through just a very quick timeline of Paul's life? Some of the major events, I actually forgot about some of these things. We talked already, uh, Saul being born in Tarsus to a Jewish family, being educated in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. He also became a Pharisee, which you will recall was this extremely strict sect within Judaism. And he began to impose his beliefs, his very strict religious beliefs on others. After he has his conversion on the road to Damascus, which happened when he was probably about 29 years old. Recall also that Saul would have been about five years younger than Jesus. So he grows up, he becomes a Pharisee when he's about 25 years old. He's persecuting the church. He has his conversion experience on the road to Damascus when he's about 29 years old. You might not remember this part of the story, but we can read about it in Galatians chapter 1, verse 17. But after Paul's conversion, he doesn't hit the road right away. He actually spends about three years in Arabia. Not sure where in Arabia. Uh, We don't know what he was doing during this time. He comes back to Damascus after those three years and also spends some time in Jerusalem. But the Jews are, as you can imagine, irate. And they are out to kill Paul because they viewed him as a traitor. The Jewish believers, the Christians, um, they're not real sure about Paul either. You know, they want to welcome him in, but they just feel a little bit uncomfortable around him. So this puts Paul in a really difficult situation. He actually returns to Tarsus, uh, where he grew up, and spends about 10 years there. So by the time that Paul really launches his public ministry, he's about 42 years old. And so the next 19 years of of Paul's life are really when he accomplishes the bulk of his ministry, ages 42 to 61. That was where Paul did all these incredible things that we're going to talk about this morning. Here's just kind of uh, some highlights. I mean, Paul's greatest hits, some of the things that God was able to accomplish through him in those 19 years. First is, more than any other person, especially in that time period, Paul fulfilled the Great Commission to go out and preach the message of the gospel. And he took it well beyond the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And we're going to look at, on a map together this morning, some of the places that he traveled. We know that Paul founded at least 14 churches. A lot of people think that he founded many more than that, but there are at least 14 that we know about. That's pretty significant. And then finally, did you know that 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, so very near to half of the books in the New Testament, are attributed to Paul. We'll talk about this a little bit more in just a moment. Paul may not have actually written every single one of those books, but 13, half of the books in the New Testament are attributed to Paul. Let's go ahead and grab these handouts, and we're going to put it on the screen as well. So just a few things that I want to point out for those of us who like to see what all of this looks like. Starting at the bottom right, you see the city of Jerusalem. Everyone knows that's an incredibly important city in this story. Let's look directly north to the city of Damascus. So this is the road. It's about 150 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. So this is the region where 
Saul had his conversion and became Paul. If we go up just a little bit further north, we'll see uh, the city of Tarsus. So this is where Saul was born, and this is where he returned and spent some time later in his life. In about two weeks, I think, we're going to go live with our new website. I'm very, very excited about it. But one of the features is you can go to a pastor's blog section, and you will be able to find this resource will be posted on our website. And also the letters we'll be talking about in just a moment. We record these messages. We're recording right now. And so people listen on the radio. They listen through our website. They'll be listening through podcast. So for anybody who is listening that way, you can go to our website and follow along with the image that you will find under Pastor's blog. So back up to the top, just 12 o'clock. See it right here? That is Philippi. There was a church that existed there, and Paul wrote a letter to those folks who lived there. Anybody guess what letter was written to those people? Very good, Philippians. See, it makes sense. Traveling south, we see Thessalonica. There was a church there as well. Can anybody guess which uh, letter was written to the folks who lived there? Thessalonians, see? Okay, we're going to go a little bit further south, and we see the city of Corinth. Right. And so I know you have figured out the pattern by now. This is where the Corinthian people lived, the believers that Paul wrote to. And then the final place that I'll point out on the map is up here in the upper left, and that is the city of Rome. That would be Paul's uh, ultimate and final destination. The other thing I'll point out about this particular image is you'll see these numbers, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So if you go online, you can Google missionary journeys of Paul, and they will show you sort of a loop uh, when he made these different missionary journeys in his life. It'll show you the path that he traveled. Uh, Some of those are kind of hard to read, and so I just thought this was an easier way to get all of the information on one page. So if you want to see that for yourself, it's very easy to find online. The way that this map has it designated is we have the number zero that indicates places that Paul or Saul was before he really began his missionary work. So, of course, we see him in Jerusalem. We see him in uh, Tarsus, right? And here, the numbers one, two, three, four, and five. So different scholars break his missionary journeys up in different ways. Some people say that he had three missionary journeys. Some people say that he had four. It's just a matter of perspective. But the final trip that Paul took was really just a trip to the city of Rome, where he would live out his last days. So that gives us just a little bit of an idea of where all this was taking place. Saul's entire life took place within this rectangle right here. Now let's take a moment to just flip over our handout. And here's what we're going to do in the time that we have together this morning. I really would like to take a few moments to look at Paul's letter to the Romans because it is incredibly, incredibly important. I believe one of our Sunday school classes is studying Romans right now. And then we're going to walk through and just point out a few, just a few things about these other letters. So let's jump right in with Romans this morning. A few things that you will notice on this handout. The first is a letter. 
the letter A, uh, for example, on this first one, Romans. And this is to indicate, remember a few moments ago I said that uh, seven of the letters that are attributed to Paul are generally regarded as, I mean, nobody contests the fact that Paul wrote them with his own hand, that Paul was the author of them. There are five additional books that people aren't really sure if Paul wrote them or not. They are attributed to him, but it was fairly common practice at this point in history for people to write in the name of someone else. So it may have been one of Paul's followers, one of Paul's friends who wrote a few of these books. So there's three letter designations. A means everybody knows that Paul wrote this. B is scholarship is divided about 50-50 on this. And then C, which means that, for the most part, scholars think this particular letter was written by a follower of Paul or somebody else in his name. And so, back to Romans, there is no question. I mean, this is Paul's most famous writing of everything that he ever produced, and he produced a lot. Written, uh, that second number, is roughly the year that it was constructed. So, A57 just means Paul wrote it somewhere around the year 57. This is truly the culmination, the height of Paul's craftsmanship, his, his theology, his understanding of the message of the gospel. So when Paul writes this letter to the Romans, he has not actually been to the city yet. And we know this because we look at the letter and it says, hey, I'm looking forward to meeting all of you. There was a church that existed in the city of Rome, which, as you can imagine, incredibly important city, one of the most important cities on the planet. And so in Paul's mission to spread the message of the gospel, Rome was a very strategic location. It was going to be incredibly important for the spread of this Christian movement. So we don't know who founded the church in Rome. Some people think it may have been one of the people who were present in Jerusalem during Pentecost and heard the message of the gospel, and they went back to Rome, and they founded a church. And so Paul is very excited about the presence of believers in the city of Rome, and so he crafts this letter to them. I will warn you, if you are interested in reading the book of Romans or the letter to the Romans, that it, it's a tough one to get through. It is deep theological reflection. And in it, Paul addresses some issues like salvation, grace, sanctification, which is just a, a long word that means uh, refers to the process of becoming more like God, more holy. The most important and central message of Romans, however, and really the most important and central message of all of Paul's ministry was this, that salvation comes as a gift from God, that it is not something that we earn, that we are saved by grace through faith, and that is the most central and important part of Paul's message, which is significant when we think about Paul's background as a Pharisee, someone who very, very strictly observed uh, Jewish traditions. And so that's something we're going to continue to see play out through the rest of Paul's writings and his ministry. 
Romans also was the place that uh, Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant Reformation, and also John Wesley, the father of the Methodist movement, they got their inspiration from Paul's writing to the Romans. We are actually running short on time. And so let's just cruise through these very quickly, uh, cover some of the information that you'll see on the back of your bulletin. So here's what you need to know in a nutshell about the remaining letters that are found uh, attributed to Paul in the New Testament. First and second Corinthians, uh, both attributed to Paul. Uh, Corinth was also a very important city in the region. It was a port city, and so there was a lot of sailors, there was a lot of travelers, a lot of people going uh, out and coming in. So it was also a very strategic place for the message of the gospel to be preached. There was also a lot of immorality. It was really easy to get in trouble in the city of Corinth, and so Paul really encouraged the believers there two things. One is to stay united. It was really important for them. And then also to remain pure, even though there was all sorts of temptation around you. Galatians, modern-day Turkey, was the location of a church that Paul actually started himself somewhere around the year 51. Uh, He wasn't able to stay there very long, though. He shared the message of the gospel, and then he had to move on down the road. And since he had to leave so quickly... Uh, there wasn't a real strong foundation. And so there were some false teachings and some false teachers that had come along that were distracting the people. And so Paul writes to the Galatians, again, the central message of this letter is salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians uh, has a letter C by it because we think that probably this was written by somebody else, a follower of Paul. Ephesus was also a pretty strategic location. It was a major trade city, very diverse, a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different religions. And so here, uh, Paul again emphasizes the importance of grace and unity. It's a really fantastic letter uh, that I would definitely recommend reading. Philippians emphasizes the joy of following Christ. And I was thinking about this one in particular on my way in this morning. I mean, in the past, Paul was so bound by all of the Levitical laws. You know, it really probably was a joyful experience for him to be freed from all of that. And so Paul here emphasizes the importance of joy, and there's that famous passage from it, 4.13. It says that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And the ironic thing about this letter is that Paul was in prison at the time that he wrote it. So to me, it makes the message even more incredible. Uh, Colossians, uh, Paul may have written it, may have not, we're not 100% sure, written around the year 62. Uh, Paul was also in the prison in Rome when he crafted this letter. Here he is addressing some false teaching that was creeping into the church. Uh, They were getting way off course. People there were worshiping angels. They were drifting more toward the direction of a sect we know today and refer to as Gnosticism. Basically, it it means that certain people get secret knowledge and that's how we're saved. And so Paul writes to get them back on the right track. First and second Thessalonians were addressed to the Christians living in the Greek city of Thessalonica. Paul had been there before, but he could only stay a few weeks because it was a pretty hot spot. 
Christians there were being persecuted, and so he sends them some teaching just to solidify their theology. First and Second Timothy, these were the first letters that were written to an individual as opposed to a church, and they were written to Timothy, who was a follower of Paul, someone that Paul had mentored and, and was now pastoring a church in Ephesus. And so this letter is full of practical advice and encouragement for Timothy. Paul's letter to Titus, very similar. Titus was another protege of Paul's, and he was leading a church on the island of Crete. And so again, Paul sends him leadership advice and some personal encouragement. And then finally, the last, the last letter is Philemon. And this was written in response to a very particular situation. There was an, a wealthy man by the name of Philemon in the church, and one of his slaves, a man named Onesimus, had run away. And he went to Rome and ministered to, to Paul, and Paul is writing this letter back to say, hey, you guys are both believers, followers in Christ, and so he encourages Philemon to take Onesimus back. And so, again, I know we ran through those very quickly. At some point in time, we may come back and do a message series on Paul's letters, so we can go a little bit deeper, but again, for the sake of our Bible 101 series, walking through to see how it's all put together. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, where Paul outlines uh, some of the struggles that he endured on his missionary journeys. And it's an impressive list, and I just want to share it with you this morning. So if you ever think that Paul had it easy, here's a short list of some of the things that he endured for the sake of the gospel. And this is from his own mouth. He said that he endures multiple imprisonments, countless beatings, often taking him to the brink of death. He said that he was whipped by 39 lashes five times. Also says that he was beaten with rods three times, stoned once, shipwrecked three times, left adrift at sea. He experienced danger from rivers, from robbers, from Gentiles, his own people, from false brothers. He experienced danger in cities, in the wilderness, and also at sea. He experienced hunger. He experienced thirst. He experienced cold. And then he, he kind of wraps it up by saying, and I really struggled with anxiety. We see that Paul really did endure a lot for the sake of the gospel, but he is very careful to point out. He says, and this is important for us, it wasn't my own strength that allowed me to endure all of this. It was God present, the Holy Spirit in me. And at the end of the story, we see that Paul gives his life. He is martyred for his faith. And so, for us, very much an inspiration. I have mentioned this movie in the past. It's one that my friend Dave Culver uh, let me borrow when I was in college. At that point in time, it was a two VHS set. But the last time I, I told you about this, somebody gave me a DVD. So it's called Peter and Paul. If someone wants to borrow it, just let me know. I'll let you borrow it. But this, this movie for me painted a, a picture of Paul that I carried around for a long time. Paul is played by Anthony Hopkins. In, in the movie version, I mean, he is just, he is almost like a superhero. He is just on fire, and he is unstoppable in the way that only Anthony Hopkins can be, right? And so I've really carried around this image, uh, and it's true. Paul was incredibly courageous. Paul was, he really was on fire. But he was also human, and he also struggled. And I was reminded of that this week 
as I read our passage of Scripture, which is what I'm going to close with this morning. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Paul says this. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you, and this part just really, really hit me this week. It says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech, my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I just love that because it shows us a glimpse into Paul as a person. It's so easy to see someone who just makes it look easy, but it wasn't easy. Paul was afraid. He was nervous. It says that he was nervous and and afraid to the point of trembling and shaking, and yet he was faithful to God's call on his life. To me, that actually makes me appreciate Paul even more because he's probably a little bit more like you and I than we may have realized. Chances are you and I will never compose anything that will be as influential as Paul's letter. Chances are that you and I will never be shipwrecked or beaten or martyred for our faith in Christ. But here's what I can say is this, that we will, every single one of us, at some time or another, we will be given opportunities to share Christ's love with people that we meet. We will also have opportunities, probably more than we would like, to face difficult and challenging circumstances. When we find ourselves in the midst of those moments, those tough times, may we find comfort and courage knowing that the same Spirit of God that was in Paul is also in us. Will you pray with me this morning, God? Thank you so much for people that we can look to to be inspired. I thank you for all that we learn from Paul. I pray, God, that you would equip and inspire us, especially when it is challenging. These things we pray in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.